Amen. All right. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We might get to chapter 13. Are you you all excited? In case you hadn't looked, chapter 13 is the last chapter in the book. All right. Verse 16 in chapter 12. Actually going to read verses 16 through 18. Paul says, but be it so, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being being crafty, I caught you with guile. Did I make a gain of you by any of them whom I sent unto you? I desired Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walked we not in the same spirit? Walked we not in the same steps? And, you know, again, Paul's having to defend himself again. It's kind of, I know, I'm probably starting to sound like a broken record every week, but, I mean, it's, again, amazing just what this man had to put up with. But here, we talked a little bit about the topic of money last week, and again, in these verses, he's having to defend himself again regarding the care of the church's money at that time. And, you know, money, I thought how it can certainly be used by the devil to stir up problems among, within the church, but not just within the church, but just, just, within among us you know whether it's families you know just personally it can the devil could use a lot of things but he can certainly use money uh as as a means to stir problems like i said inside and outside of the church and i think these men you know the the more that we read about these these men and i'm going to say men because i'm sure that's what they were i mean well in theory i mean created by god they were men but they weren't much of men in god's eyes i'll put it that way not the kind he wants um I think they were ruthless. I mean, I, I don't know what other, what other word to use for them. I think they were ruthless. And, I mean, it was any, anything that they could come up with um, to try to accuse and cause the Apostle Paul problems, that's what they did. And um, in verse 16 here, Paul's actually defending the collection that they were getting ready to take up or in the process of taking up for the Jerusalem church. And if you remember, we talked about that several chapters back. And uh, the church at Jerusalem once all the apostles kind of were dispersed and were going out and spreading the gospel, that church really became, it was, it was very poor, from what I understand, very poor. So they were taking up, a church, uh, taking up a church, taking up an offering for the Jerusalem church. So, again, his opposition was saying, you know, you didn't take money. That was another thing they brought up, if you remember, from a week or two ago. They accused him, well, you're not, you're not a real apostle because you're not taking money from the church. And again, what a, what a worldly viewpoint to try to use to accuse somebody who's called of God that preaches the word. But anyway, so he, they, they couldn't get any satisfaction there, I guess. So then they moved on and said, well, what about this, what about this offering you're taking up? Basically, they're, they're saying, we don't believe what you're telling us about what you're going to use this money for. We think it's just kind of a scheme and then you're going to take off and leave town with the money and keep it in your pocket. So I know that sounds a little, little rough, but that's basically what they were accusing him of. Um, so his opposition, like I said, was saying that, that uh, uh, was saying that. So they were implying that Paul wasn't being truthful. I mean, I think that's the thing around all of this is they were they were questioning his integrity and they were in, they were questioning his truthfulness, his honesty. And, um, I mean, isn't that how people, I mean, if, if, if the devil wants to attack us, a lot of times he attacks us 
it's a very personal attack, wouldn't you say? I mean, it's very personal, and it's something about our, you know, maybe we're not truthful, maybe we're not honest, but it's always those things that really sting is where he hits us at. And, but anyway, groundless allegations, um, promoting false statements and untruths, that's all they were doing. And, you know, the enemy was using, and, and I'm just going to say this, I, I believe he was using weak and ungrounded people to spread all of this, you know? And I think that's what we've got to be careful of is you know, we've got to be grounded, you know, because he's still doing the same thing today. He did, he did it with people years ago back when Paul was walking the face of the earth, and he does it today. People that aren't grounded, people that don't know what the truth of God's word is, they can easily be swayed, easily be swayed, and will be swayed. You know, people say, oh, it won't happen to me. Again, what's your, what's your benchmark? If you don't have the word of God, you have no benchmark. You, you don't know what the truth is. Okay, I don't care what so-and-so says on, on social media, TV, radio, whatever. I mean, that's just a bunch of, all that is is wasted. <laughs> anyway, I'll move on. And, he, and so I just want to stop and say right now, I'm glad that I'm saved. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul because he showed me one day that I needed him, and I'm glad that I understand that. And I want to tell you, say thank you for a church that's grounded in God's word. Thank you for a church that preaches God's word. Thank you for a church that tries to spread the gospel, that tries to, to do the things that God's word teaches us to do. I mean, I tell you, where would we be if we were in an organization somewhere that just said, well, let's just get together and have coffee and eat and enjoy each other's company for a couple hours every Sunday. I mean, I'm sorry. That, that, that wasn't in my notes. I don't know exactly where that came from, but I guess it, But I'm glad, and I don't mean to be mean, but people need to understand. I mean, there's people that are, that are lost, and they need the Lord, and they don't understand that. They don't know that they need the Lord, and they're going to a church or churches. You want to call them churches. They say they're churches. And if they're not being pre- taught and preached the message of salvation... They're not helping them. I mean, they're not helping them. Happy but lost. Happy but lost, and yeah. But isn't that what that song says? Sad, sad, but lost. I mean, that's that's sad. But we we got we got a lot to be thankful for. You know, we're I know what's been said many times. We're not perfect. We're not perfect people. It's not a perfect church. But boy, I'm glad for a church that just strives strives to understand what this word wants, how this word wants us to live by. I mean, without it, without it, we're just going through the motions. I mean, I'm telling you, so. All right, verses 19 through 21. He goes on and he says, again, thank ye that we excuse ourselves unto you. (laughs) I like that sentence. Think about that one sometime. Read it over and you'll, you'll see what he's saying. He says, we speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. For I fear lest when I come I shall not find you such as I would and that I shall be found unto you such as ye would not. Lest there be debates, envyings, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults. This verse 20 and 21 has got a lot of bad stuff in it. Stuff that shouldn't be in the church. You know, I mean, stuff that we as people really shouldn't engage in, whether you're in church or not. I mean, all this stuff's bad. And he says, unless when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall be well many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication 
and less viciousness which they have committed. All these things were going on in the church, and I dare say there was a lot of folks in the church, I believe, that weren't saved. And that's why a lot of this stuff was going on within the church. Now, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. But Paul says, basically, in verse 19, let's get the record straight. I feel like that's what he's saying. Let's get the record straight. I'm not asking for any forgiveness from you as the church, from you as people. What I'm doing, and I'm not apologizing to you. That's what, to me, that's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm speaking before God as a follower of and a believer in Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. And our words and our testimony of our work, you know, if you think about this, our words and testimony of our work, it's laid out right in front of God, right? I mean, we're not hiding anything from him. He knows our life, right? He knows how we're living every day. So our words and testimony of our work is before God. It's performed for God, and it's, and it's going to be judged by God. And I think that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, we're, I'm not apologizing to you. I'm just testifying. I'm, I'm telling you that I have one person that's going to judge me, and that's God Almighty. And, what I, and I'm doing, I know what I'm doing is I'm following him, and I'm doing what he's called me to do. And that's basically what he's telling us in verse 19. And that's the way we should be the same way. I mean, we can't, we can't worry about, I mean, if folks don't understand why we come to church, if they don't understand why we do what we do, how we live, as long as we're striving to live according to God's word, I mean, we just got to keep on, we just got to keep on striving and pray for them, show them the love of God and try to win them over. I mean, that's the best we can do. But he, Paul goes on to say um, that we've done nothing but preach the gospel to you for your edification. That's what he said. I mean, that's, that he said, I haven't done anything but try to help you understand what the word of God is teaching, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing I've done. That's all I've done. Um, but, uh, you know, in this word edification, I looked at it a little bit, and it says it's a, it's a building up in a moral and religious sense. And don't take that word religious too broadly. I mean, just I'm using it as a definition. But, but you know, it also means instruction, improvement, and progress of the mind in knowledge, in morals, in faith, and in holiness. And when you think about that, I and mean, that's what Paul said, he said, I'm just trying to teach you things that are going to help you. That's what he said. I mean, that's what he's trying to tell them. I'm just trying to teach you the word of God, and all it's going to do is help you, if I can just help you to understand that. So he goes on in verses 20 and 21, and he says, Paul, he uses some pretty strong words here. I mean, he, this is basically listing out all the stuff, I would say, the sin, I'll just say it, that was going on within the church. You know, I don't know who was engaging in it, but it was going on and it was wrong. And he lists all these things out. And like I said, when you look at that list, there's a lot of things going on there that are, none of them's good. None of them are any good. And, um, you know, he, had, he says there that they were acting Basically, the footnote in my Bible said they were acting as pagans, is what the footnote in my Bible said. And I mean, I thought that's pretty strong, that's pretty strong language. And that, that means it's one that, that worships false gods. I think this came up in um, somewhere along, the, maybe in what Pastor Tom was teaching on a few weeks ago in Romans. But it's one who worships false gods. It's, you know, and the definition of a pagan is, is one who refuses Christianity. I mean, they just flat out refuse it, and they seek other means to worship. So, um, 
Paul had written to them to correct the sin and the problems in the church. And basically what he's saying is the time had come for Paul to come and visit them personally. That's what he's, that's what he's going to start talking about here as we move forward. And to administer church discipline as needed if the sin and the problems hadn't been dealt with. That's what he's telling them in, uh, in verse 20, at the end of verse 21. He's telling them, I'm, all these things are going on and these things need to be taken care of. So... Any comments this morning before I keep on rolling? Or y'all just praying, please get through the end of the book. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe so. Maybe it's this way. (laughs) Yep, yep. Sometimes it's hard to do, too, but, but that's always the best, even though. I'm not saying I always manage to do that, so, but that's right. So we get to verse, or we get to chapter 13. So I'm, I'm going to read verse 1. It says, so this is the third time I'm coming to you in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. And to me, this is, this is where Paul's, he's really making the statement, Lord willing, I'm coming to visit you personally. And at that point in time, we're going to see. We're going to really see what's going on. The truth. The rubber's going to hit the. The rubber's going to hit the road, so to speak. So, um, and in this, when I when I was looking at this, this is one of these things. I'll just mention this that doesn't have any bearing on the gospel. Okay, and 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 the and the the ministry of what Paul was doing. Okay, and the purpose of what he was doing. But sometimes when you read God's word, I just wonder about things. Things that don't, you know don't really matter, so to speak, maybe. You think, well, did this really, was this really, did this really happen or did that really happen? And, or how did this happen? Maybe that's a better way to say, how did this happen? And we, we think about things and different people have different opinions on things. And this is one of them where he says, this is the third time I'm coming to you, is, is how he, is, is what he says there. And you know, like I said, different writers had different views on whether Paul actually visited Corinth two times or whether he visited there three times. And in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. But if you haven't ever thought about it, maybe read it, think about it, give it some thought and see what you think. But um, when I looked, and I just thought it was kind of interesting, the couple of Bibles that I have uh, at the house that have maps in the back of them, well, I saw that there was three, he took three missionary journeys. And, of course, then he had a journey to Rome. And when you look at the two missionary journey, or the first missionary journey, it doesn't show him going all the way over into way west and toward to Corinth. It doesn't show that. So I think he's telling us here, hey, I'm, I'd planned to come. Three times previously, I'd planned to come to see you. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, and, and maybe not. But, again, that's just my viewpoint. And that doesn't, I'm not questioning God's word. Please don't take it wrong. I'm saying sometimes when we read, things in God's word we just wonder about you know what, what I wonder did he was he really did he really go there two times or did he go three times and it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things whether he went maybe he went there four or five times I mean maybe he did and it just not recorded in God's word so but anyway I just wanted to kind of share that it's just one of those things that popped into my mind um, I'm just glad that God sent him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles that's the bottom line and that's what he did and that's, and that's all that matters. So, so um, 
I think what Paul was, like I said, was saying, he was, he was planning to come to see him, and he says here, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. And that's, to me, he's telling them right there that I'm going to come and there's going to be an, a full investigation. We're going to look into what's going on here and we're going to find out exactly what's happening. For those that have not repented, those that have not asked for forgiveness, haven't changed their ways, there's going to be discipline involved. That's, that's, what, he's, that's what he's telling us here. So... Um, you know, I mean, this, I just can't get over the fact of, and, and I, I, well, I can. You think how these folks, all they lived for was to promote false doctrine. And, and unfortunately today, there's a lot of folks that all they live for is to promote false doctrine. I mean, I just think how sad that is, that, that they live in a sense, in a state of mind, that either they don't care or I, I don't know, I can't explain it, but it, it's sad. And we just, we have to be aware of that. I'll just put it that way. We've got to be aware. So when he says, before I move on, when he says in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established, he's making reference to the to civil law there, to the requirements of civil law. And back in, I'll read you a verse, back in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15. This is, to me, this is what Paul was referencing. It says, one witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin in any sin that he sinneth at the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. And that's what, it, to me, that's what he's referencing was the civil law. And he said, he said we're going to apply the civil law to this and, we're gonna, and the discipline will be given accordingly. So y'all can t- correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the way I read that. So... Verses 3 and, let me see, I didn't read verse 2. Verses 2 through 4. I told you before and foretell you as if I were present the second time, and being absent now, I write to them, which heretofore have sinned, and to all others that if I come again, I will not spare. Since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. Now when we read this, they should have seen the power upon God in his preaching and his teaching. I mean, if they, if they were truly looking, if they were seeking out to know who the Lord, what the gospel was all about... When Paul was preaching to them and teaching them, the Spirit would have been speaking to them, whether they were saved or unsaved. If they were unsaved, the Spirit would have been convicting them of their need for salvation. And if they were saved, the Spirit would have been telling them, this man's speaking the truth to you. You need to, if you've got a desire to grow, you need to listen to what he's telling you. I mean, they would have known. They should have known. And for those that were truly saved, you know, they'd experienced, just like we have, the presence and the power of God in changing their lives personally. I mean, there's, you know, when, you, when we get saved, you know it, <laughs> okay? I mean, there's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a miraculous event, and there's a change takes place, okay? We don't, so I'll get there in a minute. Just hold that thought. Um, 
So the problem was that many of them, those that were causing the problems and the confusion in the church, and I said this earlier, in my opinion, they weren't saved. They were just kind of mixing in. They were going along. They were into the, into the group, so to speak, to see what basically they could get, what benefit they could get. To me, I don't think they were saved. Um, and in verse 4, he says, For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. Because Christ became weak, I mean, for our benefit and our salvation. That's what that says there. When he went to the cross... He had the power of God within him, but he laid it aside. He, he, he was weak for our benefit. He was weak for our benefit. And then the power of God, as we know, raising from the dead. But that's what Paul's saying there. So in verse 5, he goes on and he says, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. And we were talking about reprobates again and a few weeks ago and when Pastor Tom was, was teaching on, in Romans on Wednesday night. But Paul says in verse 5, it's yourselves that need to be examined. You don't need to be looking and examining me. You need to be examining yourself. And isn't that what the Bible teaches us? I mean, if we think, if we think somebody has a fault, which... Number one, we probably shouldn't be thinking that very often unless it's really being real blatant and very out front, and that's just Greg's opinion. That doesn't, I can't, you can't find that in God's word anywhere, but I think we have to, we have to be careful when we're, if we think there's something going on, we need to look at ourselves first and make sure it's not us that maybe is the problem, right? And that's what Paul's telling them. It's like you ought to be examining yourselves, how you're worshiping, how you're behaving, how you're living before you try to, you know, cast out upon me and um, examining yourself and questioning yourself and not me and he's saying establish the truth in yourselves you know you know whether or not everybody sitting in here right now knows whether or not Christ they have Christ in them or not whether they're saved or not okay I mean that's 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 it this this thing in the world today that people say well you know or you talk to somebody and they say well I think I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, you, there ain't no thinking, okay? You, gotta, you have to know. And if you think, then you're probably not. But that's between them and the Lord. But That's right. That's, that's, a, very, that's a good point, David. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. We've got we to gotta look at ourselves first, right? Then that's what Paul was saying here. Um. So how do, you, how do you know? Well, let me, let me just give you a little piece of, a little verse here. 1 John 4, 13 says this. It says, no man, or I'm sorry, hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. That's it. That's how you know. You say, well, I don't know if I got the spirit or not. Well, I don't know. I mean, you, you should, if you're saved, you know. I'm just going to put it that way. Because when he comes in, he doesn't sneak in and like a, <laughs> it's not a convenience store stop. He doesn't just kind of like cruise in and cruise out and you don't know it, okay? I, so I'm not sure. With, that's right. That's not true. <laughs> that's it. That's it. 
But that gets back to the, to the fact that people not knowing what God's Word says. God's Word says we know, right? And I'm going to give you a few more examples. It says, and the Bible tells us it addresses that too. Who's the author of confusion? The devil. I mean, the enemy is. I mean, the Bible tells us that. So, um, so we know, I mean, a person knows whether or not Christ is in them or not. Um, and you know, and, you know, saying and doing doesn't really mean a lot. I mean, you know. And uh, let me find my notes here. I lost my place. 413. Mm-hmm. I mean... And you know, you know whether or not you're in, Christ is in you, whether you're saved, and you know that if Christ is not in you, that what you're saying and what you're doing is not, is not honest. And it's, it's, it's just moral self-righteousness, and it's man-made religion. I mean, that's just, that's just it. I mean, and that's what these people were doing. These that weren't saved, that were attacking Paul, they weren't saved. They were just stirring up. They were allowing the flesh, man things, the world system to come in and, and try to take over. That's basically what, to me, that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to, they were trying to wreak havoc in the church so that the church would fold. I think that was, the, and, and Paul would leave. That, I mean, that's, that's what they wanted. So, um, but I liked what Oliver Green said. He, he, he said this. He said, you know if you love your, okay, men, you know if you love your wife, right? Okay? And you know that she is your wife, right? Okay. And parents, you know that you love your kids, right? And you know that they are your kids, right? I mean, okay, I mean, there's, there's some, and I'm getting to a point here. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty straightforward, right? Same way. Then you know whether or not you're a child of God or not. It's, I mean, it's, it's exactly the same exact way because it's a, it's a no-so. I mean, it's an absolute. So, so if a person says they do not know, then I, I, what I wrote down was then they probably aren't. So, or they aren't. So, again, not judging, but I'm just telling you how it is according to what God's Word says. And if you don't believe me, turn to Romans chapter 8. And I can, we've got a little bit more scripture here that will help support it, I believe. Romans chapter 8 Verse 5. Let me get in the right chapter here. And to me, this is what Paul was trying to get across to the Corinthians, you know, the, the people in the church there, those that weren't saved, and those that were saved, both. I mean, he's trying to get the point across to both groups. He says, and I know he's talking to the Romans here, but the same, same issue, the same, the same truth. Um, starting in verse 5, chapter 8, says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is, is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now how, how much more straightforward do you need than that? In other words, if you're not saved, you're not pleasing God. You might in, up here, you might be telling you are, but you're not if you're not saved. And he goes on and says, 
but ye are not in the flesh, he's talking about those that are saved, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That's pretty straightforward too, isn't it? I mean, so we know. Verse, let's see. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised Jesus up from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. But to me, verses 8 and verses 9, it's straightforward. I mean, we know if we've been saved, we know the Spirit of God came in and moved upon us. So... um, That's it. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you all, but there's a peace there. You know, things aren't always great, and life isn't always easy. And I've said this many times before. And I mean, and, and, and things, life is life. But I mean, but there is a, you know, and there's peace in knowing. And that peace doesn't come from any place else. I've said that numerous times. And everybody knows it that's saved. That's exactly right, and that's exactly the. That's right. That's right. So there's no there's no need to go through life wondering, no need to go through life wondering. So, and that's what and then like I said, Paul says clearly that this is how we know that we're saved. This is how we know Christ is in us. It's not something um, that you guess about. It's something that you know. Um, and I like what Titus says in chapter one. Turn back here. Titus chapter 1, I mean, you know, there's, there's characteristics, you know, like Josh said, you know, I, nobody can look at somebody and know whether they're saved, okay? And unfortunately, in the times that we live, and we've heard this preached numerous times, you know, when, even in the times that we live in, people that are in church, sometimes they look like they're saved, but we, you know, we got to be careful. But there are some things, though, that, and this is what Titus is talking about here in chapter 1, verse 10. We see certain things. We know that folks are not living for the Lord, that they're living for themselves, and they're not saved. And he says in Titus chapter 1, verse 10, he says, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not. And look at what the purpose is. For filthy lucre's sake. What was one of the first things we started talking about was money. And he says, One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. The witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Under the pure, all things are pure, but under them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. And here's the thing, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. There's that word again. And Pastor Tom spent a lot of time teaching on that the other other Wednesday night. So, I mean, footnote verse 16 in my Bible says this, as soon as I can find it. Maybe that was in my other Bible. Hang on. No, I just got to get in the right chapter. It says, it says the, the works 
of these people proved conclusively that they were unbelievers despite their claims. And Paul was not hesitant to make such a judgment. He summarized the behavior that proved they did not know God. I mean, it's that simple. I mean, people that are doing things and it's not the right things, I mean, it, you can tell that they're not following the Lord. I mean, you can tell that. So, All right. 